You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We'll spend the next hour talking about surveying and land surveyors, land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to me at uh, jeff at americaswebradio.com. You can find out more about me at my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Okay. um, Well, um, I'd like to... uh, I'm, I'm proud to announce, or happy to announce, that uh, we got uh, Milton Denny, uh, surveyor, author, uh, seminar presenter, lecturer. Uh, he was actually the first guest uh, that I had on the show uh, several months back. But uh, Milton Denny is uh, with us here again today. And Milton, uh, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm always happy to uh, talk about surveying. Yeah. Exactly, um, yeah, and you, and you always seem to be uh, seem to have something interesting going on, um, uh, and, and, and I guess I guess that's what your uh, the opportunities you're afforded by uh, by not having a full time job anymore. Is that is that correct? Well, that's absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I've heard people say, "Well, I retired and never hit another electric snake." You know, and uh, I just not made that way. My mind never stops, you know. So the fact that I don't have to go to an office, you know, eight to five or eight to seven like it used to be, or six to seven, uh, gives me a chance to do other things that are very related. And I have been learning more in the last few years here than I thought I knew what surveying was all about. And I have learned a lot. Yeah. Well, always growing, right? <clears throat> yep. And uh, well, what if are you you're not, you're dying. That's, that's right. You know, uh, you, you often hear about you know people when they uh, when they retire. I mean, the next thing you hear is the next thing you see is their obituary. You know, I think it's. Right. I personally think it's because they, uh, you know, they uh, uh, they kind of get there in retirement, and then you know, what do you, what are you going to do? Right? What what are you working on? Right. Well, Jeff. Uh, doing recently here is actually I've been working with uh, uh, with some attorneys on law cases and that sort of thing. And uh, a lot of it had to do with original field notes and everything. I really thought I knew what they were all about. But it's amazing what I've learned. Uh, probably some of the more obvious things is kind of the, the almost shorthand type script that they use in the field notes. You know, they use a lot of abbreviations. And I would ask different people what this meant, you know, and I found that people had guesses, but nobody really knew. And it took just a lot of research uh, in figuring them out. And the way in the GLO, uh, kind of the standard crew was a deputy surveyor, uh, and he was a DS, okay? And then uh, his crew, and generally that was with two chainmen, and so if you look in the field notes, you'll see, sometimes they'll call them a chainman, but the most common thing is to put a little C after their name. Uh, so mm-hmm. you'll have two chainmen, a front chainman, and they didn't really differentiate between the front and the chainman. Uh, and then you have a marker, 
and a lot of times you'll see a kind of a little squiggly mark, and that's really an abbreviated M, and it means marker, and he's the guy that did all the glazing and, and that sort of thing, and clearing line as they're running. Uh, and then you know, I have a person named, and you'll see an F, and sometimes you see a little cross, or sometimes other little symbols, and it means the flagman. And his thing was to kind of fly out the lines they were measuring, you know, and of course they measured kind of separately uh, of the uh, of the instrument. You know, the instrument would could be ahead of you, go ahead, sticking out the line, and it hang just ribbon or whatever, uh, or just blaze a line, and then the chainman would come along behind there because they didn't want the chain to be too close to the compass needle. And so the old days where we used to measure out from underneath a trance and all that, that isn't how they worked, you know. But those yeah. are some of the things I've been learning, and, and that has led me to some other things that I've stumbled across. And it all has to do with evidence, as you know. And you've you're always been a proponent of, of finding the evidence in the field. You know, we got to live with what's out there. So, oh, oh, yeah, exactly. Story about uh, Mr. E.E. E. Todd. <clears throat> oh yeah, uh, E.E. E. Todd. For uh, our uh, listeners' uh, um, uh, information, was a uh, you know I should have I should have grabbed that. But I'm going to do that. Let me grab this book uh, real quick. The one the one you gave me <laughs> uh, years ago. Uh, where is here? He is, Mr. Todd. Yeah, he was. Uh, he also gave me the picture of him, E.E. Uh, e. Todd, Lockhart, Alabama. Um, this picture, I guess, was taken in 1944, where he was uh, 77 years old. So uh, he was uh, he was a county surveyor in like uh, three different counties here in Alabama, and uh, we wouldn't know much about him if he hadn't have been. Something of a correspondent. He corresponded with uh, uh, J.M. Fair, Faircloth at the University of Alabama uh, Engineering Department, and with um, uh, with a, a gentleman down at um, uh, Auburn University, which I think was uh, uh, Alabama Polytechnical at the time, and uh, with some representatives too. Didn't he? Didn't he uh, correspond with the Secretary of State here in the state of Alabama, or? Right, Secretary of State, and more than that, it's the GLO. He chased them around, trying to get them to answer questions about problems he ran across, and boy, they were very slow to respond to him, <laughs> which made him mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they told him at one point in time, where, where we run it, that's where it is, right? <laughs> yeah, but we can't tell you where that is, right? So uh, <laughs> That's right. Anyway. anyway. Um, what's interesting about it, actually was a college graduate. I think he was a graduate of the uh, Talladega Teachers College in about 1906 or 1908. And uh, he really went out to become a school teacher. His dad, one of the first professional dentists uh, in the state of Alabama in, uh, uh, in the Selma area. And so... Uh, his dad believed in education, so he got an education. And he actually taught school 
But then he became, he read for the law, but then he became, a, he was a surveyor, because all the whole family was surveyors and a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles, I mean, uncles and all that kind of thing. So anyway, he wrote a little book um, in 1936. Uh, he actually grew up in a little city of Plantersville, Alabama, which is just a little whistle stop today. And he wrote a little book, uh, and it's really, really interesting about what their early life would have been in Plantersville. And because he's a pretty good writer, you know, he's very descriptive in what he writes, and it gives you a good idea what life was like back in those days. In looking through that book one day, I, I found this little reference that he put in there. I want to read it to you. And he starts out by saying this is kind of breaking into a whole article, but he says, as to surveyors, I mentioned as professional men, Old Mr. Sample, the county surveyor who was the first land surveyor I ever heard of when I was a small boy. I figured out he was about 10 years old. An old Irishman by the name of Fitzgibbons, who was section foreman on the railroad, bought from my father five acres of land for Oscar Barnes' home and other houses and Christian Cemetery. So you can kind of buy knowing where that cemetery is, kind of figure out where this is in Plantersville. Old Man Fitz, as he was called, had the county surveyor, Mr. Sample, and I happened to be in the cemetery recently in Plantersville, and Mr. Sample is buried about probably 30 feet from E.E. Todd. Uh, Mr. Sample to run off the land and establish the corners to the uh, five acres of land. The service made, old had some Negro men to bring a rock and put down in the ground at each corner of the, of the land. The rock was hard enough to be in the ground and stick about a foot or more. I remember the usual crowd of bystanders, I remember this as I did, on such occasions made sport of the old Irishman in his rock corner post. But the old man Fritz said, Sure and be faithful. You, buddy, if you like, I'm doing what is done in the old country from whence I came. That was Ireland, okay? So in Ireland, they put big stones at the corners. And today mm-hmm. you can see the standing at the southwest corner of the cemetery lot, because this is 1936. The very stone old Fritz put there 60 years ago, and it stands as a monument to Irish determination and persistence. Just you think if we had stones at all our corners, right? Yeah. And none of the original settlers of our land, and likewise, as regards the corners of their land, would be less contention over the landmarks of our fathers today. At the time of this survey, I was quite a small boy and had no idea I would be a surveyor, but was interested and noticed that Mr. Sample was very deaf, as I am. Maybe deafness is put upon surveyors so they cannot hear the landowners fuss over the lines. Remarks about the <laughs> surveyor when the line is run. <laughs> yeah. It's well, yeah. stuff or what? Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's great well, stuff right there. Knowing this, I went down to Dallas County to the courthouse in Selma. Uh, and a very nice lady uh, by the name of Monday, spelled not like the, spelled differently than today, uh, very nice to me and said she'd look this up in her GIS. Well, it wasn't in there. 
And uh, so I said, well, where are all these records and books? And she said, well, they're down in the basement, and, you know, it's open, and you just go down there and wander around. So this now, is that's, that's, that's a... Uh, <clears throat> That just doesn't happen anywhere anymore these days. <laughs> no, that's, that's a whole lot in the past, right? <laughs> that is. And, uh, so anyway, you, so went, so you went down to the basement. <clears throat> yep. And I started looking through the old records. And, Jeff, you know how they enclose them in plastic, and that plastic gets sticky over time, you know? And so you right. couldn't hardly separate the pages of these books and stuff. Well, what, lo and behold, I find is a plat of Plantersville, Alabama. That's not in their GIS. And so uh, it was by the Reeds, and there were a whole family of Reeds, and they were actually kin to e. E. Todd by marriage. But it's kind of a, a conglomerate effort. So they have the map of Plantersville by Reed, E.E. E. Todd, and Reed, which is E.E. E. Reed and C.B. which was Reed's father. And so I start looking in there, and guess what shows up? The five-acre parcel with the stone showing. Jeff, is that great or what? Now, <laughs> I know that if you go out there and try to survey this thing, you know pieces aren't going aren't gonna to measure exactly. Right, Jeff? I mean, modern measurements aren't the measurements they were doing. That's right. And so... Yeah. This would be a classic case of using the distances. It doesn't fit the stone, so what do you do? You put another corner in there. Well, the stone is the corner. So I went out to the property to see if I could find the stones. Well, here in 36, they were set in about uh, uh, 1890 or 1880. And believe it or not, gone. I don't know what happened to them, and maybe they got covered over or something. But the distances are still showing there from iron pipe that I did find the iron pipe. So you could take this information and reconstruct, you know, all this stuff, and you would have a good survey of that five acres that was done in about 1885 yeah, or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and so it's all, all about the evidence, you know, and... The courthouse and finding the records and um, and that kind of thing. Uh, I actually I didn't testify in court, but I met with some lawyers and gave them some things to ask a surveyor about a, a survey he had done, which he did a terrible job. Yeah, and I asked hey, uh, Milton. 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 Uh, we're going to have yeah. to take a break. Uh, we'll be back okay. uh, in a couple minutes. So let's pick up right there. Okay. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. And by the way, while we're talking about Quick Stakes, this is a very good day to order, and everybody wants to remember, and I heard a news flash today about... Um, the election and so forth, depending on which way it goes, this would be a good time to start stocking up where you can write it off 
in 2020, depending on which way the world goes, 2021 might not be a good year to even try writing off anything. So depending on the election and um, as a conservative, we uh, we feel very uh, strongly about it. So be sure to order your quick stakes, stock up, get ready for your 2021 by calling or emailing quickstakes.com or calling 1-800-438-0387 and order your quick stakes today. With that being said, Jeff, you're ready. Shake that head, Jeff. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to come back to Jeff right now. And here's Jeff. All right. Uh, welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour, and uh, with me today on the show is uh, Milton Denny. And uh, Milton has the uh, uh, Milton always has something interesting to uh, to talk about because he's always working on something interesting. And I just I just like hearing uh, hearing the stories that he has to tell about the, about this stuff. Milton, we uh, you were uh, right before the break, which I was kind of I was kind of late on there. I'm sorry. Uh, for interrupting you, but um, you, you brought it down. You, you you really brought this thing down to the to the core issue. It's about the evidence, and you were you were getting you were talking to us about the evidence and uh, and going to court. Um, can you pick back right. up where you left off? Yeah, uh, a while back, quite a few years ago, I was contacted by some attorneys that had an absolute fraudulent survey, and some of they met with me and they wanted advice they were going to do a deposition and so uh, one of the things I said is to ask this surveyor go into the house, you know where did he get his evidence and all that and he, his response in the deposition was actually well I don't have enough money in the job to ever go to the courthouse <laughs> and needless to say they, they found him guilty, and he had to pay a, a fee because he had actually deeded off to someone else by rewriting the legal description. So the courthouse, I mean, that is the mainstay of what we do. And Jeff was saying earlier, you know, a lot of times we don't have the time that Bill Denny has to, you know, investigate this stuff. But, you know, it doesn't release you of the responsibilities of doing enough to satisfy yourself that you've done a good job, right, Jeff? I mean, you've got to have enough information to, to base your decision on, and if you don't, you, you get more information about the, well, about the work. That's that's where there's, <clears throat> at least in my mind, there's a there's a real there's a real rub. Uh, what what you you know how you I mean you were in private practice for a long time, Milton. I, I, I know you didn't do mortgage surveys all the time, but that's that's probably where the land surveyor runs into the public uh, the most is people needing their you know their house surveyed, um, and and so what they do is they they call around. Uh, the, the this is a, this is a fundamental problem with surveying services right now is um, landowners don't know what we you know really what it is that we do and and how we do it. And you're talking about evidence and gathering the evidence, and you're responsible for that. Yeah, you are. In my in my opinion, you are. So then you have to price the survey accordingly. And uh, but the the landowners aren't interested in hear, you know hearing what your problems are. What they're interested in is uh, a cost 
and how much. And the service provider, right. uh, in many cases, is, is totally irrelevant. And you know as well as I do, that's the hallmark of a commodity. And when the only thing that matters is is price and the service provider right. is irrelevant, then you're, you're, we're not dealing with professional services anymore. We're dealing with commodities. and land. But landowners don't know that. So they... Um, uh, the, the the so in my estimation you could have a different uh, take on this but in, in my estimation this this run of the mill surveying work the vast majority of this run of the mill surveying work is being done by by the um, the, the low price surveyor and they're not they're not going to go down uh, to the you know to the county courthouse and down into the basement and dig around for that you know that five-acre survey map that you were talking about. Right. Well, that is a problem, Jeff, and it's taken me a long time to kind of figure this out, and you being an attorney, you may disagree with this. But, you know, I have the conclusion over the years that we being registered really makes us a an agent of the court. I mean, we're registered to survey land and certify what people own. Okay, and only in rare instances where there's really a conflict is it supposed to go to the courts, okay? And that's why there is no uh, limit on what you have to do in some instances. And this doesn't happen every day. I mean, there are just some very hard surveys. And those kind of cases, you may lose money on it, but you have no choice but to, make the, to take the option that you're going to do of find the evidence to do the kind of job really needs to be done. Well, and that's when you, uh, I, don't, I don't disagree with you, um, that's when you your contract, though, uh, comes into play, you know. Um, we, we, you know, I've, I've advocated for years, we need standardized contracts for doing uh, boundary surveying work, you know, kind of like the architects have standardized uh, AIA contracts and with certain with certain clauses in there, and one of the clauses the surveyor needs is uh, a contingency clause. Okay, so uh, somebody calls me up and it seems pretty run of the mill. It's uh, it's going to be a you know a standard type survey, and I'm not I'm not seeing any extraordinary things that I need to do, and I give them a price and. Uh, and they accept my price. Uh, usually, they're not because I'm going to be—I'm I'm not going to be the cheapest guy in town. But so they—they—they they, they hire me to, to do the project. So uh, I, I send them my contract, and my contract will—you know—talk about you know the rates. It'll talk about what I'm going to do, uh, and it will be a—I'll um, have a contingency clause in there, you know. And our fee will be, you know, X amount of dollars. Uh, but if we run into un- something like this, if we run into unforeseen circumstances uh, beyond what we anticipated, you know, with this with this fee structure, then we will stop work and we will advise, and then we will either uh, work, uh, continue the work under a new lump sum fee, or at our standard hourly rate. So then, so I get out there and. Um, you know, and I need I need to. It's not it's not at all what I expected. You know, there are no monuments anywhere in the subdivision, um, or or the section. This will happen a lot of Mississippi. No no section corners in, 
And so um, I'm going to have to do a lot more work uh, digging up uh, evidence to figure out where these these section lines are. And so uh, way beyond what I anticipated. And uh, so then you could pull your contingency clause and say to your client, well, listen, this, you know, we've, we've done we've done this much work here. Um, we can't continue unless, you know, we're going to have to have additional fee to finish this survey up. And, of course, then you need a termination clause. And the client doesn't agree. Client doesn't want you to do it. Client uh, is, uh, you know, so you could just, you could then terminate uh, your, with, under your termination clause, which would be either party can terminate with or without cause. And, um, but, uh, so you terminate, you do 90% of the work, you bill them for 90% of the work. Assuming you get paid for the 90% of the work that you did, then that's, that's the best project I'll ever do. I did 90% of the work, got paid 90%, but I didn't produce a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not always that lucky. Uh, you know, Jeff, back in, uh, I think it was in the 80s, you know, worked uh, in Congress at mapping a, uh, a contract handbook. And it uh-huh. turned out to be a really nice document. In fact, it was uh, reviewed by very well-known law firm in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and they said, who wrote this? We said, well, we wrote it ourselves, you know. And they said, this is a really good document. Well, unfortunately, it was the worst-selling book in the history of publications. Uh, nobody wanted it. You know, surveyors mm-hmm. just will not do contracts, which is really a shame. Because in it, you had a lot of different options on how you could contract. There were five options you could contract, but nobody's interested in contract, which is a shame. Um, so anyway, let's get back a little bit to evidence, too. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, uh, and, I, you know, as you know, I have the luxury of spending a lot of time on things that people don't normally time. So have the time to do. So I, what I've been doing is going into some townships in Alabama for some of you folks out there. It's pretty unusual state because it was surveyed, and they had a big fire in the land office, and a lot of the records were lost. And then so they resurveyed it again, okay, or at least parts of it, uh, right? Uh, based on the points that were found in the field, and so kind of have two surveys, and in some cases, you may actually have uh, the difference between independent resurvey and independent resurvey. Well, one of the things that came up in this was the witness trees, which the government calls pointers, okay? Uh, and technically, every quarter corner has two pointers, and, and generally, uh, section corners have four cor- uh, pointers, including township corners. And so I went through and I found some townships where the notes were supposedly burned, but really weren't. And then they came back and did the resurvey at a later date. And guess what? Most of the pointers were gone there when the original survey was done. But then when they came back to do this resurvey, and it was a dependent resurvey, most of the pointers were gone. And what what happened to them? Well, this was a 20-year time period where the patent or the intramen, as the government would call them, had come in and started, uh, in a lot of cases, there were plantations, small plantations, and uh, yeah, uh, they'd cut those Milton, trees. We're gonna, 
Yeah, well, we got to take another break, Milton. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we'll, let's take another right. break, and we'll be back after this. And we appreciate uh, interrupting you uh, quickly. want to remind everybody, this is a good time to order those markers in the Quick Stakes from quickstakes.com and or call them at 1-800-438-0387. Also, I want to take this opportunity. This is David Moxley, and I own America's Web Radio, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all the folks that have joined as patrons and the support of America's Web Radio. It's a delight to have so many folks that uh, have decided to join up and become patrons, and some are at $5, some of them are at $50. So it doesn't matter what. It's just uh, we uh, send out our emails and our newsletters and our blogs and all this and we do appreciate everybody and we have such great shows i mean you can't beat victor online you can't beat locked and loaded and you can't beat jeff lucas and the only surveying hour in the country and i hope that uh, jeff that as you're listening to what i'm saying is that other surveyors are appreciating what you do and the guests that you have on and whether you have a guest on or not you do a great great show and as far as i know we're the only show that is devoted strictly to land surveyors in the united states and unfortunately um they're less and less land surveyors but we want to talk to them and we want to tell them how much we appreciate them and i look at the fact that if we didn't have land surveyors I'm not sure we'd have a land, and uh, your positions, your all's positions may come become more and more important in the next few years, depending on how things turn out at the uh, polls. So anyway, we appreciate land surveyors, and I've always called land surveyors the last of the cowboys. You know, you ride out in your Jeep or your four-wheel drive and go out into uh, God knows where, and set up, and at least it's become a little bit easier with the GPS than it used to be. But uh, you all go out in the, the bush and take care of business. So our hats are off to all land surveyors. And with that being said, let's go back to Jeff and his guest. Well, thanks, David. Uh, I guess you heard all that, didn't you, Milton? <clears throat> yeah, I sure did. I uh, that, that was that, that, yeah, that was quite a quite a plug from our producer, and we uh, we appreciate that, David, very much. All right, well, Milton, you were talking about the uh, the pointers and um, and th- them disappearing by the the landowners coming out there and, and chopping them down for firewood, I guess, huh? Right. Well, you know, they were harvesting the timber. Uh, they were clearing yeah, yeah. the land for their plantations, and so the the different. I've actually plotted some up on a map. It's amazing. The difference between the 1821 spray, where 90% corners had pointers on them, to 1846, which is 25 years later, when there's just a few pointers that are left. You know, and so mm-hmm. uh, if you wonder what happened to all those witness trees, <laughs> they were they were chopped down by the landowners because he didn't really care. He knew where his land was. He had he had his original corner stake and so to him they were marketable timber you know so he cut them down and made barrel staves out of them well and one of the i think um 
one of the well, we, I think we've discussed this before. I, I didn't get my, I didn't come up with my information myself either. I got it from you or from uh, David Griffin on his uh, his. Um, you you remember Doctor Griffin, don't you? In his uh, uh, his dissertation, uh, right. retracement of the public land surveys in the state of Alabama. Right. When when they were doing the surveys in the state of Alabama, I mean, this was just this was just like boom country. I mean, everybody was they they couldn't get them done fast enough, and uh, so you know because the people were moving in here because you know Alabama. Many people don't realize. I mean, we we've got like uh, I think it's three or four geographic regions: mountains, plains, coastline. We have. Uh, more uh, waterfront, you know, just shoreline, and not just not just uh, along the Gulf, but uh, on our rivers and streams per capita. I think than any other state in the uh, in the country, and so people were flooding in here, and they were just. I think uh, even e. e. Todd mentioned that about Weekly's men galloping along doing the re- <laughs> doing the resurveys, and they may have actually been on the horseback doing the surveys. Oh yeah, they could have. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jeff, um, the other thing that's real interesting about the early surveys, I've been doing, I don't know why this didn't appear to me earlier, I've been doing genealogy on the crew members to find out uh-huh. who they were, where they were from. And one thing is really apparent when I do this is that if you couldn't make enough to buy your own homestead by the age of 30, your surveys were over. These people were young men. Uh, one of uh, uh, Freeman's deputies, actually Freeman hired him when he was 16 years old when he was in part of the Mississippi Territory. And then he worked uh, as a deputy surveyor starting when he was 17 doing townships. And by the age of 22, uh, he was an old season veteran, you know. I mean, he'd been doing yeah. this about longer than anybody. Well, they teamed him up. Uh, his name was Owen. They teamed him up with another surveyor by the name of Bodine, who was a coffee appointee. And I think coffee's idea was Freeman between this guy for me. So they worked together for a time. And then eventually, when Bodine got comfortable with being a on his own, you know, they split apart, and they both were doing townships. And, you know, when you really look into surveying, you see the camaraderie of these people. Well, you know, Freeman died um, in about 1822, Huntsville. Well, so did Owens. And I, I looked up and saw there was a tremendous cholera epidemic. Uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, in the early 1820s. And so it obviously took the life of both of these men. But Owen had never married. He was a same guy. But his friend, Bodine, had started his own little plantation, and, you know, he had his own little thing. And so when he died, Bodine buried Owen in the Bodine Cemetery in Huntsville. Doesn't that tell you about how close those men were to take yeah. just a stranger and, bar- and bury them in your family cemetery? You know, so that's what Owens is, which I thought was really touching. It shows you what these men had to do, and how much they respect each other. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, you bring up an interesting point, and I've I've uh, I've speculated about this without having some real good information. So I want to I want to uh, ask you. Uh, I mean, I have some information that, that answers the question, but I mean, when the so you had the, these GLO surveyors out there um, running uh, running the section lines out, the original surveys of the sections. And then after them came the county surveyors. Now, where does county surveyors come from? Is my question. Well, I think in a lot of times they were left over, either the government surveyors themselves or the children of government surveyors that had gone. You know, the government surveyors had started doing private service work. Most of them were Yankees that came down here, Jeff. They were, well, I would say Yankees. A lot of them were from Georgia. Tennessee, the Carolinas, but a lot of them from New York and up. Well, they never went back. You know, once they got in the South and found out how great Alabama is, they stayed here. <laughs> and so I think that a lot of the the children of these surveyors became those county surveyors, you know, because they had worked with their dad and they learned the trades. And it was very much a trade type situation. We learned by doing it, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I'm pretty much convinced that most of these early county surveyors who came in right after the GLO were, were actually GLO um, people who um, decided to settle down somewhere and or they didn't get another contract, but they, they could, <laughs> they could read and write and uh, and run a compass and a chain, and so therefore they they came in and settled in these little towns and became the county surveyors and then they're, so they're the ones who initially uh, would have gone in and started breaking these sections down and so the, you know um, so they and so they weren't doing stuff that, that they didn't that they didn't know already know how to do and, and they weren't they didn't come up with new methodologies so when uh, they were stubbing in the center quarter you know they were just doing what they had done previously with the GLO. I mean, that's just how the surveys happened. And, uh, I, you know, I have, I have some good evidence uh, that that happened in other places. I was involved in a case out in in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Idaho, and uh, I, I had, you know, I had uh, evidentiary you know, uh, uh, proof that, um, you know, the, uh, the GLO surveyor uh, who, who surveyed this one area of town, uh, then became, uh, the, you know, when he was done surveying, then he became, he was the county surveyor for a while. So, you know, that, right. so that actually <clears throat> happened. And and that makes sense, Jeff, because, you know, there weren't that many people around with these surveying skills. You know, another thing that, that happened with this <clears throat> that I think is very relevant and we don't see much is the surveyors that followed the GLO, they all had township books, and you could buy those through these old companies like uh, uh, Deechkin and uh, K&E and all that. They, they sold a little book. It fit in your pocket. It had 36 pages in it, one for each section, and the section was kind of drawn out on that page. And then on the front cover was township and a blank, and you filled in the township number, whether it was north or south, and then... R, and that was the range in a blank, and you filled in whether it was uh, north, north or south, 
I mean, east or west, and then what the range number was. And they kept all the records from that township. Whenever they surveyed, they, a guy would call in, I want a town survey in Section 12 and township so-and-so. They would go get that book. And they never kept any other notes besides that. Everything was in that book. I have some of those books. And what's so interesting about them, Jeff, is that you see that they stayed within a quarter of a section, within 160 acres. You know, they somebody wanted 80 acres cut out or 40 acres. They went in there and they ran that 160, okay? Or they right. ran parts of it. And we're going in there now, which is, yes, and we're redividing the whole town section or township up, or section in most cases. And the truth of the matter is the original surveyors weren't doing that. They were dividing it up in their area because they just didn't have the means to survey the whole section. They didn't survey a mile a mile to cut out 40 acres, you know. And they set good reference monuments in a lot of cases, and I know some cases where GLO will come in and do an independent resurvey or a dependent resurvey. They won't accept any of that. They set all new monuments. When there oh, yeah. are wonderful monuments there that were set by that county surveyor, actually shows in his notes in one case I know of, uh, in 1890. And then they just come in and just ignore that stuff, you know. Well, what about acquiescence, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so I know this is uh, getting into what you preach, Jeff, but, you know, more people need to understand that... Uh, that this stuff has been subdivided originally, and how many times are you going to do it? You know, how many are we going to, when we get the change of the uh, horizontal vertical datum again, are we going to have to go in and rerun all these sections again, you know, under a new datum? Or, <laughs> I don't know. And a new epic, with a new epic. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Sorry. I don't. I don't know how that's going to work, but, you know. I, I think it's it's somewhat irrelevant for uh, you know for private practice, uh, but I think we're going to co- we're coming up on a break here in just a minute. I, I wanted to uh, ask you a follow up question. Uh, hold on, let me see what what David has for us here. Um, okay, we're we're at a break. We'll be back after this. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Again, I want to thank everybody. Take this opportunity to thank everybody that has joined as patrons on America's Web Radio. All you have to do is go to our website and uh, there's a button there that you can click on to uh, do whatever you want to as a patron. You get uh, newsletters, you get stuff from our hosts, like if you're a surveyor and want something special from Jeff, uh, a note, or you want to ask him something, you can send us an email at Jeff at America's Web Radio or any of our other hosts. And Always, I want to thank our hosts. They are doing a fantastic job and have for 15 years. Uh, Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber with our classic car show. We've got Dr. Hal Shears and uh, Dr. Scott Barber. Uh, Scott's an orthopedic surgeon and Hal's a pediatric, pediatric 
urologist. And uh, just all of our hosts are just great. Jeff, obviously, surveyor, attorney. And um, now Jeff happens to be a lot different from all the other attorneys that I know. Uh, when, when Jeff is speaking, when his lips are moving, he's telling the truth. Now, some of our other attorneys that, uh, we know the story about how do you know when a, an attorney is lying when his lips are moving, but not Jeff. And I want to thank Jeff for doing a, a great job and a great show. And it's for you, the surveyor. And we do appreciate you here at America's Web Radio and want to encourage everybody. Our, all of our vets that are listeners and our, our military that are listening all the time, please get out and vote. Your vote is ever so important this year. So with that being said, let's return to – and you can move your lips while you're talking, Jeff. We'll be back with Jeff right now. Okay, folks, welcome back uh, to the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, my guest today is Milton Denny. Uh, Milton, um, where, where'd we leave off? What were we talking about? Well, I heard the last thing you asked was about the Huntsville Meridian. And, uh, yeah, uh, you, uh, I can, are, uh, can right. you speak well, to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, the, the initial point of the Huntsville Meridian was actually set by a team of about five or, no, I think there were seven uh, past presidents and surveyors of the Alabama Society of Professional Surveyors. The chief surveyor on that was a fellow by the name of Raymond Shackelford, who is since deceased. But he basically, oh, yeah. of course, Raymond. Well, yeah. 1977, before EDMs and all that stuff, Maybe, well, not at least before GPS, he ran that boundary as best he could, and he prorated in where the corner was, and we set that monument there. And since it's been there since 77, I can't ever imagine us trying to adjust it. Well, the, the thought came up, and it wasn't out myself. It was people from the historical uh, committee from ASPLS said, uh, <clears throat> we'd like to find the terminus point, which is on the Freeman line, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they yeah. said, well, we think we need to include Milton Denny in this. And so they called me up, and I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to do something like that. So so I actually have a little system I've been working on for quite a while, and it's called Best Probable Location. And Jeff knows all about it because we sent him out one time to find a mound on the mound line on 31 Degrees, and everybody was searching around, and they were right at the coordinates I gave them. And then somebody said, well, Jeff is standing on the mound. <laughs> it was right there, right there. I was hiding it. I was standing on it. <laughs> he, he, he was standing on it. So the system yeah. works extremely well. Well, we found... Hey, uh, Milton, uh, Milton, uh, Milton let, let me give everybody uh, just a little bit uh, more background detail here. What What we're talking about here is Alabama was uh, originally surveyed uh, starting in the early 1800s uh, with two meridians. They, they basically cut, Freeman ran a line all the way across the state east to west and cut Alabama into, into halves, roughly halves. And uh, the St. Stephen's meridian starts down uh, just north of Mobile. 
And so, uh, and that's where the 31st parallel is. That's what Milton was just talking about. And then to the north is the Huntsville principal meridian, which uh, starts uh, uh, in Huntsville on the uh, uh, 35th parallel. The, uh, the line 35. Between, the, yeah, 30, 35. Five. The line between uh, Alabama and Tennessee. So we're talking about. Uh, they ran that the, the, from the Huntsville Principal Meridian. They ran south, and they had a terminal point uh, in the east-west uh, Freeman line. So that's so. Anyway, pick back up where you were, uh, Milton. Okay. Uh, well, there's a misnomer here, Jeff, and you even told a little lie here. The the Uh-oh. Freeman line was never actually run as a line, Jeff. What that was is that was the top bank of each one of the townships as they were running north from the 31-degree baseline, okay? And so if you, you find the Freeman line by going to each township field notes and getting the top of the township, then you've got to plug all those together, and that's the Freeman line, okay? So it was never run as an independent line. <clears throat> well, I think you could imagine that if you were to start at this line 35 degrees, and the, and the bottom line of 31, you come north, 24 townships of 31 degrees, you set all those townships in there. Then you come from the top south. Well, it's never going to hit perfectly. It's called, by GLO calls it a collision line. And so you have a lot of little partial sections and lots and things like that. And so this terminus point is a point that was set on the Huntsville baseline going south when it hit the Freeman line, okay? When we, I calculated where it should be and we found some other points in that area, but then we went there and there's a big steel bar in there, okay? But it fits those coordinates amazingly well. So now the question is, you know, what should we do? Well, we've already dug down around it and kind of determined that we think that iron bar is in maybe an old cedar post. And we have a local surveyor that says that an old-timer actually set that steel bar in the cedar post. Now, if we can find those notes that verify that, we'll probably accept the steel bar. If not, we'll probably pull the steel post out, and with backhoes, dig down to see if we can find the remnants of the original um, uh, stake that was set there, probably a pretty good-sized cedar post. So that's where we are. Do you have the field notes when they when they set that terminal point? Yes, we do. Yep. You do? So they, they, were, they set a post, is what they yep. said, I guess, right? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, and so, well, um, go ahead. Uh, recently at this ASPLS meeting, um, the, the thing came up about what are you actually doing? And uh, our friend Tommy Brooks, who's been around a long time and the son of one of the uh, early presidents of ASPLS and been around surveying his whole life, he came up with a little... Um, Norman Clayser says, well, we're not resetting that corner. We're memorializing it. And Jeff, I thought that was a really good description. So what we'll do if we pull that steel bar out, we'll put a substantial 
stone monument over the top where it was. So we're memorializing that location of the terminus point of the Huntsville Meridian. Well, where where are you physically on the ground? Are you out in the middle of somebody's property somewhere? Or? <clears throat> yeah, it, it actually belongs to uh, it's forced. Uh, it's a forest company. I think it's St. Regis's property. Uh, we have permission to be in there uh, because it's uh, timberland. There's no obvious uh, landlines left. You know, they don't care about the uh, division of landlines. But we have their permission, and they're supportive of us making, putting some kind of a memorial monument in that place. Mm-hmm. Has any uh, similar effort been um, been undertaken for the terminal point of the St. Stephen's Meridian, you know, where it heads north to the Freeman Line? <laughs> well, we have a pecking list, and the next item on the pecking list is the terminus point of the St. Stephen's Meridian. That's okay. over in very, very rural Pickens County. That may be a little more of a challenge because, as you know, there aren't many. You go from Pickens County west into Mississippi and out there. Uh, I knew a surveyor one time told another old surveyor over there that he'd pay him a dollar for each corner that he could show him, And they rode around for half a day, and he owed them $2. And uh, <laughs> the true, true corners are pretty hard to find. So that one may be a little more of a challenge, but we're also interested, and I've actually found there's a monument there, uh, that break point in the westerly line, and we'd like to work with the state of Mississippi on doing a lot of uh, maybe uh, surveying on the common boundary between Mississippi and Alabama. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's all in the future. But, you know, Jeff, it's just a wonderful thing to get a bunch of registered surveyors together. They got all their equipment, all their trucks, and meet at a place and work on a common product or project, you know? And they become friends, they get to know each other, and all of a sudden this isn't that other guy down the street. This is Bob, who I know, you know? And we need these kinds of things, Jeff. And uh, we, we met once over there and looked up some of the evidence and we had a great time. Well, this is uh, a little late uh, to ask you the question because we only have a couple minutes left here. But, uh, you know, that was the good thing about, or at least I thought, the great thing about those retracement camps that, uh, right. that uh, the, the BLM used to, used to uh, host uh, for us. What's happening with the retracement camp that, uh, that you've been working on for uh, ASPLS? Okay. Um, well, because of the uh, pandemic and all that, it was canceled this fall. Mm-hmm. And we didn't invite the students from Troy to the ASPLS meeting, mainly because we didn't have enough room for everybody. So what we did right. is we said, well, we're going to do the retracement camp, which is part of the old Anderson Army Depot, which was surveyed in 1911. And a lot of those, it's an old, big, old, huge GLO survey. And we'll be looking for a lot of those corners most of that land now is forest service land and uh but we're going to invite the students from troy to be our guests uh, because we think it's so important jeff as you know that they learn how to recover original evidence right retrace re- retracement theory and actual retracement right. work i know 
Dr. Griffin was, uh, I had asked him about that, you know, are y'all doing any, you know, anything uh, to, uh, relative to, you know, how to retrace boundaries? And, you know, he was getting the students out there and they were, they were doing, uh, they were doing retracement work. I, I think that um, Dr. Uh, Hazelton, he was on the show, I forgot his yeah. name, but uh, Hazelton, yeah, I think he told me that they're still continuing to do that, so that's, but yeah, having them to a retracement uh, camp uh, is uh, is a good thing, because... And uh, and get to rub shoulders with, with currently registered surveyors, you know, that right. kind of understand what they're doing, I mean, that's the real... Uh, benefit of that, not just the students out there, but that you're rubbing shoulders uh, like that old guy in one of our little retracement camp things that had this machete that had been sharpened so many times. It was just a, and he he was eighty some years old, and he went out through the woods faster than any young kid could go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Next next time you come on the show, you're going to have to talk about your antique car you're trying to get rid of. <laughs> We talked about that a little bit yesterday, but uh, I think our time's just about up here. But um, Milton, I want to thank you for coming back on the show again. You're always a you're always a great uh, guest. You're always uh, you're always working on something something in, usually interesting. At least if you're interested in uh, in, in surveying, and um, we hope that you uh, can come back on the show again sometime in the well, near future. Those- you want to. Go ahead. I will. And one of the things that I'm working on, Jeff, and I, I really need to, and the trouble is I keep finding so much new information, but I have 90 plus percent of a book written called uh, The Art of Land Surveying as opposed to The Technology of Land Surveying. And uh, and it talks about the evidence and where it is and how you find it and you know what it is and all that. And that's one of my goals now over next year. I need to get that book finished up. Well, all right. We've got to wrap it up. Milton, thanks a lot. Uh, Thanks again, and thanks a lot, and have a good day, buddy. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.